Welcome, everybody. It's good to have you here. We're here for the reflections from the satsang we have with John Aston. Uh, we conducted that satsang last Sunday night, and it's up on our YouTube channel. Um, and now what we get a chance to do is get together and reflect on what were the um, what were the takeaways, what are the practices, what were the scenes that most impacted us. And we get a chance to do this in a real informal discussion type format. So uh, let me just read a quick bio on John Aston. He's the author of four books. Uh, and they're all about exploring the nature of human experience. Um, Too Intimate for Words is his most, uh, uh, his initial book that, that got him started. And what, he, what I recall him saying, the satsang is Too Intimate for Words. That kind of summarizes the whole thing. And yet he went on to write, This is Always Enough, Searching for Rain in a Monsoon, and This Extraordinary Moment. He's also a singer and a songwriter with a half a dozen original CDs. And he's also a, uh, a renowned expert on um, health psychology, international acclaimed scholar in the field of mind-body medicine. Uh, and his uh, research focuses on the applications of the meditative contemplative practices, psychology and healthcare. Um, and so I had a chance to uh, listen to the satsang and then review it and um, really looking forward to hearing from everyone uh, what your particular takeaways were, impressions, perhaps practices that that uh, may find themselves um, springing up in your individual practice. I'm happy to kick things off. Oh, yep. Not going to have a nice off right now, are we? <laughs> I can't hear you. No? Oh, I, I see Rhoda's. Oh, you can hear her. Can you hear me, Kate? Uh, yeah, Kate. Now, now I can hear you. Sorry. Oh, no problem. I had no muted problem. the music. <laughs> ah, no problem. Well, um, more than specific words, uh, there was this general overall sense of what John kept pointing to felt feels I want to say felt but it feels so alive and so real and so true that it almost there's a sense here I heard him say something like um when he first came in touch with this deep sense of knowing there was almost a sense of greediness I thought I heard were the, his words and like isn't there more and the words that came for him were isn't this enough can you feel how much grace is actually being poured forth in every instant and you know he just went on to describe the general you know, what, what we know is true is we wake up every day having no knowledge of how to wake ourselves up, how to beat our hearts, how to make the skin grow, how to make the world turn on its axis the whole time we were sleeping, like having no knowledge of anything. And yet it's so simply overlooked as if we've as if I've almost forgotten the miracle of what is. 
And what I, what it, I mean, what felt so alive with him was this sense that there is no purpose in anything other than just living. It's like, don't need to make it up. Don't need to be doing anything that isn't really called for from the heart. There's just this gorgeous unfolding of every instant that when conscious of, there really isn't anything else. There really isn't a need for anything else. There isn't a grasping for anything else, a desire for anything else. Thank you. So while it wasn't really a, uh, yeah, something something in, in the manner in which, you know, just the openness, like the knowingness, like, you know, I sense it, I'm going to call it Buddha nature because I don't know what else to call it. There's just this, in the presence of someone who just speaks pure truth, there's a dropping away of everything else that believes it can be other than pure truth. Letting go. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, as I rewatched it this morning, I would remember as he was talking, kind of there was a teeny voice in the back of my head going, you know, you're going to have to ask another question. <laughs> like, you know, you can't just take the complete flight right now. You know, you know, eventually he is going to stop. And, I, and it was funny because I could just feel that. But like you were saying, in the presence of someone who is so connected with the truth of the moment, only the moment, just what was here right now, um, which is, we can say just, but it's, we could just as easily say, the everything, everything all the time moment. Um, yeah, it kind of, the, those lower vibrations of, of doubt and concern and egoic ranting uh, seems uh, further away, if not, if not uh, experienced as uh, kind of an inconsequential force of experience. Yeah, thank you. I was just looking to see if um, if I had written anything. I had this feeling that I had written stuff down as I was listening, but um, I can't I can't see it here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just felt like um, there was just such a clear uh, kind of focus on 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 what you know cannot be kind of described and yet it was like the the bit that just went straight into into practice with me right was just whatever is here is there's no separation from it. So uh, no matter how much I, you know, um, 
I try to kind of categorize things or put things in boxes or, you know, put this stuff over here and this stuff is closer to me, you know, that, that the truth is that everything is right here. It's like closer than you know, closer than your breath, closer than, and, and so there's no, there's no space between what I am and whatever is seen or experienced. And I love the way he, he talked about, you know, experience. I can't remember the exact words he used, but what I heard was, you know, that again, experience is not something that is separate from me or something that I'm doing or something that I've, you know, uh, I'm, you know, and I kind of heard it as something that I'm suffering from or affected by. It's like, it is me. It is all me. And, you know, not me, Kate, but, you know, what, what I truly am. And I just, I don't think I've ever, well, maybe I have heard other people describe it before. I probably have, but wasn't able to maybe hear it. And I really heard him. I really felt it. It was like a real embodied kind of knowing that, yeah, this is, no matter what I come up with, no matter what I um, experience, no matter what it is, it is all the same thing. And it's all the same thing for you and for you and, you know, for the, for the billions on the planet, it's all, and that is the connection. That is the, the life force that's experiencing the, uh, what it is. And I, it just felt so, so kind of such like such a, like when I start to talk about it, it's just it's like gobbledygook, but it's like, and it's also sounds so simplistic or so, you know, like, oh God, that sounds so black and white. But when it's felt, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like it's something outside of me. It feels like it is me. And that's the <laughs> best words that I can put on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I laugh right along with you because those are just beautiful words to point at what can't even really be pointed at. It can kind of be conjured up and talked around. Um, what, I, what I wrote down this morning is that, um, uh, you know, like he was using the example, we got it. And you know, I, I, I got it. And, and then you finally feel that happiness and joy we wanted, and then it slips away. 
And then he says, that may be, if you just had to realize one thing, it'd be that, just to realize that nothing stays at all because of the nature of this pure dynamism. We are it, that it keeps changing. As soon as the mind identifies an it, it's gone because the dynamism is just gonna keep, but, but we're that too, but we're that too, but we're that too. Um, and because he says what this pure dynamism is, it's, it's this pure aliveness. He said, so, and so things don't endure, even though we live in a world that certainly appears to have stability, endurance, and continuity in many respects, that if we look a little more carefully, we see that none of that holds up under scrutiny. It is all actually beyond comprehension. Uh, even though at the same time, it all seems to have a thingness to it. This consensus reality, he says, is that we know what's going down. Like Rhoda was saying, we know. We woke up this morning. This is our bed. This is our body. This is our personality. This is our, and yet he says it's pretty convincing, but our knowledge is, it is convincing. And uh, this interpretive mechanism that keeps grasping at describing what the it is. But as he says, it doesn't hold up under scrutiny because you can't even grab the it. You know, I mean, we're told that, you know, you can say this is a, a pen and, you know, the quantum physicist will tell you this is a whole lot of space. And, and yet in real life experience, that interpretive mechanism if I have attention on the interpretive mechanism, I'm going to have all kinds of different experiences. If I can fall back and trust that this aliveness is living and the whole thing is unfolding, then it just becomes this endless journey that it is, not segmented by a mind that says yes and says no and says more and says less. And yet, even all those words... you know, I don't think come anywhere near to capturing what can't be captured because it's not capturable. That's the dynamism. That's the aliveness. So yeah, beautiful. See if anyone else would like to share their takeaways from the satsang. I have a couple more quotes I could share, see if that sparks any. He was talking about his initial scene that that Rhoda summarized when when he's in that retreat and he's crying and he sees it and it kind of feels so sad. He feels a little grief that he's been it, but he thinks he wasn't it. And how did he miss that he was it for 20 years? And that was kind of sad. And then days go on in the retreat and then he all this seems to come back and real again it doesn't all look divine anymore and then he hears and, and it was interesting to hear him say it's the only time he's ever heard a voice he hasn't heard one since um is this enough can you feel how much grace is being poured forth in every instant and he said seeing in that moment that everything was divine in a very real sense that this is all the dance of the divine the dance of the absolute 
he said that I, he, he said, I think my journey has been of one of coming to see again and again and again, that everything actually means everything. Everything is this dance, not just some things, but everything. And this radical inclusivity, which is everything. And then he, that's when he looped back and said, because of course these interpretive mechanisms are in the process of constantly enforcing differences and distinctions. And I can see, you know, kind of in a meta sense of why satsang is such a powerful instrument. When you're in the company of truth, you can watch the mechanism move and try to enforce these differences and distinctions and see it as an interpretive mechanism. It's like there's enough distance to observe it and it kind of pops you out of being captured by it. Um, so that everything is seen as this one essential nature. Everything is this substratum expressing, manifest, unmanifest. And the everything includes the interpretive mechanisms, doesn't it? Because mind just wants to give those the heave. Like if I can just get rid of my interpretive, you know, there's a my and there's an interpretive. And all of a sudden there's a positionality and there's a win-lose and there's a scorecard and there's a way to measure it. And it's like all means all. And for me, that means not just remembering what I really want, but remembering that the only place I've ever found it is going within, in the silence, in the looking, in the being with because it's this process of letting everything else fall away. It's not this process of finding. It's not seek and find. It's relaxing the seeking because what is a seeking but a premise that I don't have it yet? Like that's the very experience that not everything is divine. I need to go get the divine stuff. I'm stuck in the non-divine stuff. So it's, 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 it's quite a paradox and yet we have these satsangs so that people can come and we can be in the company of that truth. He sort of watches this automatic mechanism, reinterprets that moment of seeing every single time. It sort of it sort of feels like uh, the language that I hear that comes in is okay. So now what? Hmm. Like that's what comes in. Okay, now like when when listening in satsang without any desire to get anything from it, it's so clear what's being spoken from and spoken into. And there's no, there's no sense of claiming it. There's no sense of, oh, I finally get it. Like there's just that happening. But then the sense of claiming does come in. Like it comes, it, it is automatic. It is mechanistic as you and John both have been pointing to. There's a mechanistic happening that is just part of this interpretive dance as I heard him describe it, you know, 
what you were pointing to reminds me of what he what he had said was, you know, you think you're sitting in a chair in a room. I think I'm sitting in a chair in a room. But in reality, what's happening here is this dance of what is and this interpretive mechanism just it kicks in to claim it. But if you know, if sitting back happens enough, like enough sitting back happens in any moment, you can find that that's claiming is literally a mechanism. It's a, a thing of the mind that happens. It's a my, I mean, my, it is the original, from what I can tell these days, it feels like my, it feels like that is the original thought, the original source of claiming that somehow I am this and so when it's seen it feels like okay so what now like there's like the interpretive mechanism kicks in again and goes okay so now what <laughs> now what do i do and yet that's never been the point literally has never been the point and every time it kicks in i know i notice at least in this body a sense of claiming and a sense of guilt a slight sense of guilt and what I know about guilt these days, I'm so very grateful to know that when guilt shows up, that's just a judgment not seen. And all of that just happens very quickly because that's the way that this system was trained. That's the way all systems were trained. Yeah. Really, really just phenomenal, phenomenal satsang and I'm starting to see that every satsang is just an opportunity to be available to the clarity that is already here. Thank you. To be available. to the capacity to recognize truth, which is already here. Yeah. I like the question he asked, uh, the trick birthday candle question he asked Marisol, which is, I, I want you to think about this moment, this, this moment right now, just think about it for a minute. Get that zip zip. I, mean, I don't know what, I don't know what you guys get, but I, I'm instructed to think about this moment. I can't. I can't think about this moment. I, I think about. I can think about the past. I can think about the future. But there is no thinking. And he described it, I have written down, it's just, it's just this house of cards. It'll come in fast. It'll either be about the past or the future. But that thinking, I'll just grab attention for a minute. And there's a little distraction from full attention on this undivided moment. This moment's not divided up. This presence doesn't divide it up. It has no internal segments to it. It's just one, <laughs> the dynamism. Uh, 
I, I, another thing he said I wrote down is diffusing from thought versus recognizing that there's an identity here that's fused with thinking diffusing from thought I thought that's just such a helpful kind of short way to when you hold a thought long enough it, it is just seen to be inconsequential there's nothing more fleeting than thought there's nothing less substantial I mean it's just not solid at all can't hardly hold it in mind very long but when not turning right towards it it has the appearance of being there the whole time like a mirage in the desert and you just look away a little bit and you just kind of think you see the water. So if there's one thing I really got from the satsang, it's the invitation to constantly investigate. Um, there's a quote out, which I read him and then I think that's, I think that's when he did the uh, guided meditation, which was fabulous. But it's, this is from his Batgap interview. He said, the freedom comes from actually investigating what it is made of experientially, right? Because whether it's a thought or whether it's a feeling, an emotion, a circumstance, a, it's like, it's just it just arises and then something here believes it's true and then acts from it. And he's like, wait, the freedom is investigating the it. What's it made of experientially? Because we discover that it isn't what we thought it was. That it transcends what we think it is. It's beyond what we think it is. Like we're still here looking and we can't even find the thought. And he said, it turns out to be God. It's part of the everything. It turns out to just be this kind of emanation. And it's made of infinity. It's made of reality. And that's not something you can say what it actually is because it's infinite. And that turns out to be incredibly liberating. Um, and I find sometimes that's incredibly liberating and sometimes there's just this, um, kind of, it's almost like a short circuit in the, in the brain. It's like, I don't know what any of that is like, wah, 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 wah. But if I can just look at the what, 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 what is that made of? What is that confusion made of? Or what is that kind of uh, lack of clarity? What? And it's like, it's not made of anything either. Like none of it's made of anything. Like wherever I start, if I do an actual investigation calmly, kind of with curiosity instead of with fear, right? With kind of, kind of an optimistic, I'm going to discover something as opposed to this, oh shit, this is going to mean I suck again. Yeah. So just, just to, even just a little bit of kind of trusting that this universe is benevolent. If I really look right at it, I can't even hold on to the question very long. Like, what am I questioning and who's questioning it? And, and like, next thing I know, I'm just going to, I'm getting up and getting a cup of tea. You know, it's kind of similar to self-inquiry. After a while, it's just done its thing. And there's an experience of just being present with nothing added. And, you know, it reminds me of that song, you know, Talking Heads song, Heaven, Place Where Nothing Ever Happens. And who, who would have ever thought that was so sweet? 
who would have ever thought that like the peace that passes passeth understanding lies in letting all our most cherished and our most reviled concepts go and continuing to just kind of investigate experientially what's here. Yeah, just uh, I had a a few days after I'd listened, I was at um, the dentist and uh, I um, the drill was was being used on a tooth um, and the sound of the drill. So the, the mouth was numb. There was no pain. There was a sensation, but the sound of the drill was in my head. And I could feel the, the whole system uh, go into, you know, uh, the beginning of like a, a response to that sound. And because this was so fresh in my mind, I was like, oh, wait a minute. What, what, is, what is this sound? And, and the, that question was just enough to kind of go oh that's that's god too that's mm. you know that's part of of what i am and and everything just kind of relaxed and uh and i was having a couple of teeth done so i did it each time the noise if i noticed there was a flinch or a you know, a beginning of a reaction. And I was doing it all, yeah. I was doing it all day, really. Like when the when some car, I was in a lot of traffic and some cars were doing some weird things. And I was like, and what is that? What is what is this? You know? <laughs> so yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's just this innocent, open-ended curiosity isn't it um refusing to buy into i know and just continually falling back into what if i don't know what this is what would that question look like yeah it's beautiful marisol i see your hand hi so um i i appreciate uh, you talking again about the just being with what is and also um, the experience of clarity and then not clarity. Um, uh, because lately I have, what's been going on here is um, an undercurrent of depression, uh, which has been pretty much a, it feels now like a lifelong type of situation. Um, but it's really, it hasn't been in the forefront in quite a long time. And it's been in the forefront, I would say for, for the past month. And sometimes it's, it's so um, up front that 
the clarity is just, it's just like a blanket has been put over um, just everything. Um, there's absolutely like nothing is penetrating, uh, but, um, and, and I find myself in that place today, but just uh, the pointing to being, being with whatever is arising without any expectations or, um, or even telling myself this isn't part of creation because that um, pulls, pulls me back further into that disconnecting type of feeling. And to me, that's my experience of depression is that disconnect separation is very huge. So yeah, um, so I just wanted to thank you for pointing that out um, when he talked about that and um, not being able to really think about anything in the current moment. I mean, because whenever we are thinking about something, it's it's always what has been or what is to be. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Marisol. And thank you for applying that in real time. Um, and noticing that as we think, be inquired into. And for me, it's, especially with like moods and emotion. There is such a, I know mine here. I know what this is. I'm pretty sure I know what caused it. I.e., I know who's to blame, often me. Like, like I know, I know. And it's like, oh, wow. But what is that made of? If I let go of the story just for a half second, I mean, it's usually got me hooked in, but what is that made of? What sort of thought forms? Is it like currents of energy? It's like, can feel like a bowling ball this way or anxiety this way or yeah but but and then just what is that like what is that made of and and detaching from i mean detaching is a little too strong probably but giving less attention to this interpretive mechanism which is all concepts all concepts which has to be from the past because we're using a reference point. We're just referencing back. So the aliveness, the dynamism is, is just here, even if it's the dynamism of really, really heavy energy. Um, and what I noticed again and again uh, is he, he had a line, I mean, or at least I wrote down that he said, <laughs> we're also afraid to quote anyone these days um we feel everything as presence but it's described as separate and distinct but if i really stop and say what is this made of it's the presence of happiness or the presence of zinginess or the presence of or you know the, the heart's wide open right it's the presence of like this radiating energy but we feel everything as presence but the interpretive mechanism describes it as separate and distinct. Like there's a me that has a heaviness this afternoon because of this morning or because of last week or because it's like constantly orienting us 
in concepts. And so it feels very freeing to go right to it, to like, to give, I don't know why we need permission, but he was a wide open permission slip, was he not? To just investigate the hell out of anything experientially and go into it, to it. Yeah, beautiful. And Lisa, I see your hand. Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, thank you for that reminder. Just, I think for me, just, I mean, I'm where I am just personally, there's just going through a lot of intense trauma therapy. And so, you know, all this stuff is just so fresh and I appreciate so much um, just all the groups that I'm a part of. I know I don't usually say anything, but it's just, it's helpful just to be with others. And, um, but I keep, well, I keep, my mind keeps going to just if always like, if I inquire as to what something is, then, and discovering that it's not there, then I'm automatically, the reaction is I'm abandoning it. I'm abandoning that part of myself. I'm abandoning that pain. Um, and this this part of the, the, as you all know, the part of the therapy of the therapy or the healing is to strengthen that self to, so that I'm not always living out of this other self. And I think sometimes I even get confused about what that self is, you know, the true self versus the strong self that's just, you know, that's going to be in control. And, and wanting to remember and to lean into this the true self and allowing like you shared the other day trusting that the energies are just going to work out how however they need to work out and that I'm not controlling this and um but it's just yeah but that's just um and and I I didn't attend the satsang but I listened to the interview later and and it's just was good timing for me of where I am in this wanting to strengthen self, wanting to live in that place. Um, but, and so that it, it helped to um, be reminded of, of what self is and um, that it's always there and that, and it's still, it, but that, and what I also find that is always a continual um, place where I go is that that the pain, that the struggle can't be this because it's so painful and it's, it can't be, how can it be? And so to be able to sit in that place of presence and to say this too, and to try to welcome that and say this too is that, and um, not always successful, <laughs> but it's helpful. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. And uh, uh, the palpable, open, alert, loving, non-judgmental presence that is you does not require words to be known and to be felt and to be seen. And the words are great. Um, and yeah, and honoring the fact. I think for a long time, I wouldn't do self, self-inquiry just freaked me out something felt so abandoned 
like going, where, where are you? It felt like, it felt like a perp walk. Where are you? Show yourself. You can't even show you. If, I don't know. It, it like freaked me out. I, I mean, I, I really, it wasn't until I went to La Vida and I sat in that basement in the retreat house and we did it as a group. It's like, I really needed that slow, steady quote group energy, you know, because yeah, I mean, but, but honoring the fact that something feels abandoned or something feels left or lost or still, and that's gotta be part of it. Um, and it's part of the healing. It's part of the expression and it's felt as presence. Even that is allowed to be uh, met, met. And mine's like, you're abandoning it. It's like, we aren't actually abandoning it. But if mine's going to say that and it's going to get believed, we step back. We, of course we would. Like, why wouldn't we? Um, and isn't that part of honoring the dynamism of how this energy is expressing right now? It's very, very fluid. Um, I, I know resisting it, <laughs> have, have investigated that never, 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 I push away, never feels like it moves through. And this, we could all witness it moving right through from the moment of it there, from the moment of it being spoken to the moment of it being reflected on. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Sina, I see your hand. Thank you, Lisa, for your share. I just had an epiphany. I've, this has never landed before and it just landed and I'm extremely grateful. Um, so I too have had the experience of when I'm questioning these, whatever it is, it could be depression, it could be fear, it could be loneliness, it could be whatever. And two have had the experience of it literally evaporating or just seeming like, well, where did it go? And I just had the epiphany that is alchemy. It wasn't abandoned. It was so alchemized that it just went back into source. So it was such a full and complete embrace. And that's the moment where it's like, where did it go? It went back to that, that great emptiness where we're all, everything's going to eventually return. And then who knows what happens after that. But wow, to see that there is no abandonment. There's alchemy. Alchemy happens, but abandonment. And then the mind comes in and, oh, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And that must mean, and that must mean, and in this case, it must mean I've abandoned a part of myself, but it feels like what just landed for me is, oh my God, no, it's literally how oneness happens. Like it became one with source. Thank you for, thank you for that, Lisa. Wonderful, Lisa, yeah. Just real quick. I mean, in the therapists I'm working with, we specifically, she talks about as being, you know, the pain is the disassociated consciousness and so what we're doing is bringing it back home and it's like you say that it's alchemy but there's something and I appreciate you sharing that too because it's like well duh yeah of course that's what's <laughs> happening you know but there yeah there's still that part that wants to hang on to it because it somehow yeah so but yeah thank you Sina. yeah, yeah I, I feel like you're both really making the point he made he makes it he talks he's in awe I don't you love his awe you know He's in awe of this radical inclusivity. And he says, but it, it, is, it, is, cha it, it is challenged by this interpretive mechanism 
that is that is the process. It's always in the process of constantly enforcing differences and distinctions. So of course the interpretive mechanism says it's not here anymore. Where to go? It's lost. It's gone. You did it wrong. Like whatever. And we can put abandonment on that. And I boy, I'm very familiar with that. But like it opens up the opportunity to see that as an after very quickly after the fact, but an after the fact description, an after the fact interpretation, right? Because really the actual experiences build up, build up, build up, less, less, less. I mean, in actuality, you could just almost like graph the energy. That's what's actually happening. But this interpretive mechanism, given that it's constantly enforcing differences and distinctions, if we've got any history with a certain word or a certain inclination, a certain emotion, you can see how this mechanism gets our attention back just like that, um, which is why healing this, you know, this kind of the, the uh, foundational, I am bad, I am separate, I this, that. You, know, you can just see how healing those allows us to um, see the interpretation uh, because we're going to be there to see it as opposed to kind of like taken down by the wave of emotion. So we're not even looking. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of exciting for me to be at a point where I'm, I feel able to get closer and closer to what feels like a pretty hot fire and keep watching and stay curious and like have these tools, um, these tools, these names, these um, different ways that when a concept comes in, when a word, when a thought comes in, if we've got a little kind of broader way in which to hold that thought, the thought loses a little power because it's oh, it's an interpretive. Oh, is this a, is this an interpretive mechanism? Is this constantly enforcing a difference and a distinction? Yes, and then all of a sudden that just becomes one of the other expressions that are here in the right now, and for me that makes it all feel a lot less overwhelming. It makes it feel like, all right, I can stay. I don't have to tap out. I don't have to try to go unconscious to this. I can, I can just keep looking and keep inquiring what's, what's actually here right now. And I see that I, I saw chat, but I didn't get to read it. The, Marisol writes, the desire to claim an identity out of it brings on a feeling of abandonment here. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I didn't get a chance to ask him about, but I found he, he was so in the zone. I was like, I, you know, I just I, a lot of these questions kind of went because it's like I don't really want to bring him back to the or at least my sense was that that wasn't where the energy was going. But so he's this uh, renowned neuroscience researcher and he broke down three related areas on which to fashion around what he calls powerful practices. So like all of his research and his own experience, he kind of distilled into these, into these three areas. And I just spent a couple of days contemplating them, found them fabulous. So maybe I'll just read them to you. There's, there's three. Um, I'll start with the, uh, where did you find them? Yeah, I don't know. In all the clicking, I clicked on him for a long time, uh, but I, 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 I will read them to you. Um, uh, the, the first, so, so there's three related areas, okay? 
first, self-awareness. Insight into the ways beliefs defined as our interpretation of moment-to-moment -moment experience. So insight into the ways that beliefs shape the way we ultimately see and experience ourselves in the world. So used the example we just used. If there's a belief that abandonment's real, it's a thing. We got to be on the lookout for it. We've seen it before and it's encoded here. Don't let that shit happen again. Um, that's a belief, even though it may feel like not a belief. Um, it's an interpretation, right? There's just an event that happened that's neutral and then it got put on top of it. it can we can we bring self-awareness, which he defines as the insight into the way beliefs shape the way we ultimately see and experience ourselves in the world? If I believe in abandonment, and you do that thing, you are going to be an abandoner, and I'm going to be the abandonee, you know, so it's going to shape the whole thing. So it was just, it was just helpful for me to kind of have that distilled as, as one of the three related areas. And kind of just in the morning, I would just give my willingness, you know, today, I, I would love to have the self-awareness, the insight into the ways that belief shaped the way I ultimately see and experience myself in the world. Um, that was the first. The second is emotional resiliency, which is we also just touched on. He defines that as the capacity to experience even strong, uncomfortable mental emotional states without losing our sense of inner balance and equanimity. And isn't that the whole enchilada, right? You let it come, it plays, and we stay open and curious, open and curious. You know, it may not look like equanimity, but to the extent I can stay present, there is an inner balance being evidenced that did not used to be there in decades past. So again, emotional resiliency, it's the capacity. So I, I pray for the capacity to experience even strong, uncomfortable mental, emotional states without losing my sense of inner balance and equanimity. And then the third um, related area. Sorry, I'm just going to ask you to say sure. it one more time for me. It's sure. emotional resiliency. Resiliency. Thank you. And then if you wouldn't mind, sorry, just one more time. Sure, well, I'll just, I can just take a picture of this and send it to you. But I, I will. I will read it one more time. Thank you. The capacity to experience even strong, uncomfortable mental and emotional states without losing our sense of inner balance and equanimity. And, you know, Regina's word for this would be purification, right? I mean, that's what we do. We don't just let the waves take us down. We use it for healing. We notice what we're believing. We rest the thoughts. We accept the feelings. Even, I mean, rest, accept, and trust is emotional resiliency. You stay present, thought, that's a thought, I'm going to rest it. Oh, that's another thought. I'm going to rest it. That's six in a row. That's a, that's a whole story. I'm going to rest it. You know, I'm just going to, and then, heart and, and, and then all that crazy energy i'm just going to accept it. it it's here i see it i feel it i feel it i know i'm just i just i'm going to stop pushing against it i'm going to stop saying this shouldn't be here because there ain't nothing worse than when i'm trapped in that shit so i'm just gonna say it is here and i'm going to be radically present with what is here and then i i trust this is what i'm to do I'm tr i trust that this level of emotional resiliency it's exactly how I am to be with this moment. 
the third, the third thing that he condensed it down into is cognitive flexibility. And I, I got, I love this. I love this. The ability to see the limits of our current state of knowledge. Because <laughs> it's got a limit. We've all got an edge, right? The ability to see the limits of our current state of knowledge and remain open-minded and non-defensive even when our perspective or point of view is being challenged. How open can I stay? How receptive can I stay? How present can I stay? And that's cognitive flexibility. So for me, all three of these are aspects of curiosity. The superpower we had in spades as a kid that has never left. But I mean, it's been the opportunity of my lifetime to rediscover how much fun curiosity is. And if you had to really say what curiosity is, isn't it not knowing? I mean, isn't that the fun of it? Curiosity, you don't know. Curiosity ain't going and figuring out how, once again, I'm right. Or going and figuring out how, once again, I'm wrong. No, it's letting it all go. Let the, the interpretive mechanism for this moment go, right? And staying open. Um, and it, it, in this five, in the five unexpected, which is really fun because in the five unexpected pathways, if you had to, you can't make it to the retreat. The bottom line is, can you shift into curiosity? Whether it's thought, whether it's pain, whether it's judgment, whether it's confusion, whether it feels helpless, feels hopeless. Can you get curious? And that's what I feel like John Aston demonstrated for us for 90 minutes. So is he just curious about everything? Well, what is it? Well, if you think of it, like, like every, like all his speaking was out of this wide open curiosity, like a little kid. I mean, didn't he go from, I don't know how old that, I mean, I'm 60s or something, but I mean, didn't, didn't you see like, you know, some like little kind of the, this little boy energy in there that's like, yay, like I, I get to just keep, I get to keep to I I get to keep wondering what it is, and not knowing. He didn't actually give us an answer. He invited us to live the question. And if that isn't being in the company of truth, uh, I don't know what is. I find it absolutely amazing how the mind will hear a new connection and immediately turn into, oh my God, oh my God, don't miss this. Oh my God, don't <laughs> miss this. And, you know, I kept noticing Sina put stuff in the chat or practicing the superconductor and allowing it to pass through and exploring those turnarounds. It's not ever, it's, there's always this impression that there, there is something to be known that isn't known, which is exactly what you pointed to in this very last one, which was the ability to see the limits of our state of knowledge. I think that's what you said. I don't know. That's what I wrote down. Yeah, our current state of knowledge. Yeah. As it is right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, just just in that one little line right there, I can 
you know, the myriad of teachings around seeing limitation in, you know, the way that the mind views life and the way that mind interprets life, but not without, not with the desire to push it away, just to notice that that is really the limiting factor. That is really what places all limits all believed limits, all accepted limits. They're all in the mind and only in the mind, literally. The interpretive mechanism that is in the process of constantly enforcing differences and distinctions, whether it's psycho whether it's our psychology or our biology or your psychology or your biology or the world or, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I, you know, it's funny because during this, uh, just gonna read this real quick. Uh, just saw the belief: if depression is here, then it must mean something is wrong and has gone wrong. Yeah, the interpretive mechanism is going to make a a me that now has an issue. Maybe not a problem because we're a little too spiritual. We don't call them problems anymore. Now we call them issues. But there's still the energy of the fixing. And thank you all. I see that we're at the top of the hour and uh, that's it for us today. And I want to thank you all for joining the discussion and thank you uh, to those who joined to listen. As always, it's wonderful to have a space where we can go deeper into what we seek to teach ourselves. If you're interested in more information about anything on this podcast or the Awakening Together community, we invite you to join us in our online sanctuary at awakening-together.org or our YouTube channel or podcast under the same name. All are welcome and we'd love to have you. Thank you again for joining today.